Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Larland. Lawson. Lawson. Welcome to the show. Yeah, likewise. How are you this morning? I'm great. Hey, I had a funny experience last night. Well, not last night, yesterday. Okay. Uh, yesterday towards the evening, I met a listener of our show. Okay. That I, I, I don't know this person personally. Yes. Know, up until you met a yesterday. random listener. I met a listener of the show, mm-hmm. and they were telling me how much they loved the show. Praise and, the Lord. And, you know, they're really blessed by the show. Mm-hmm. But they were like, oh, man, I wish Lyle would just stop interrupting you. Like, I love it when, Lawson, I love it when you speak and Lyle just talks over <laughs> the top of you. And- yeah, well, you know, the reason that I do this is because <laughs> there are important things that need to be communicated here on Faith FM Radio. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, and sure. I just can't afford to let you talk too much because. That's right. You know, I enjoy the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Oh, it was so funny. And, the, like, the person... So I'm really talking, worried about this person now. What do you mean? I mean, seriously, what, what, what you know? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, they love the show. They're really passionate That's fantastic. About the show. I'm so glad that they enjoy the show. Yeah, but they, I think, you know, they especially enjoyed me. So if you could quiet down a little bit while and have me speak more, then we could, you know. All right, I'm just going to shut up for the rest of the show. <laughs> Good. All right. So in other news, uh, no, I'm just kidding. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? So yesterday afternoon, we spent some time up at our Stanhope transmitter. Oh, awesome. Which had burned out a cable. Oh. Got it all fixed. Nice. It's up and running again. Uh-huh. So God bless all of our listeners to the Stanhope transmitter up through Singleton, mm. all that kind of area, Brankston, Greeter. Uh, welcome welcome back. Good We've stuff. been off air for a little while, but we got back up there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, fantastic stuff. We've also got a vehicle that we can access the site with now, which is better. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, tell us some positively different news oh, this morning. Oh, positively different news. All right, Lyle. Yes. I've got I've got a piece of positive news this morning. Um, get off my back. That's, that's well, it's a statement, and it's get off my back because I read about a uh, essentially a study that had been done by the University of uh, Otago, which is in New Zealand, and it was all to do with procrastination. And they found that if you gave someone a long deadline for something. They, they, they tested three different deadlines, like a short deadline, a long deadline, and no deadline, okay? And th- what this deadline was in relation to was an online survey they had created, and it was like a, it was like a, it was like a survey that contributed, like, it was, it was like a tiny part of a grade to something, but it was like a tiny part, like relatively insignificant. And basically, they gave someone, they gave people three different deadlines. So the short deadline was like two days. The long deadline was like two weeks. And then no deadline was no deadline. And what they wanted to do was see what mindset people would be in approaching this survey, depending on which deadline they had and what, you know, how they would procrastinate if they had a short deadline versus a long deadline and, and if they would do it, you know, if, Anyways, they put out this survey and they found that the most effective way to like to lead someone like to do something where they won't procrastinate is give them absolutely no deadline. Just really just tell them to do it with no deadline. No 2 weeks, no 1 month. 
That's freaky. It, right? That's wild. You just, you just say like, oh, yeah, you know, do this when you can. And like. People that, just sit down and do it on the spot. Yep. Get it out of the way. The second in second place was short deadline. So two days, you know, where the people have to be on. And then in third place where they had by far the least success was long deadlines. So you give someone two weeks to do something, they will just put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off, and then they just won't do it. Wow. So, sh- dude, long deadlines. No, no deadlines. That's the way the to go. Way to, that's the Don't way do to deadlines. Go. There you go. So, get off, so get off my back, bro. I don't know. You love us. <laughs> no, love us tell me to do anything. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was like, this is really, really interesting. I, I feel like it's there's almost this sense, though, of like, how can this work functionally, right? So I'm thinking about a, you know, a student situation, mm. like, like in uni, just give them no deadlines. But then it's like, if you give them no deadlines, like, I think the deadlines are more for the teachers than they are for the students, you know, because it's like they have to mark and... Ultimately, the semester does come to an end. So I don't know how you would implement this there. Yeah, and I'm sort of wondering in the workplace as well because, say, for instance, we're going to do an end.digital um, series of, of uh, presentations. Those have to be launched on a particular date, which automatically creates a deadline, and that yes. deadline then creates a deadline for the advertisers to get the advertising material together. That creates another deadline for you know that material to be distributed to people who will then distribute it. You know, and and there's a whole slew of deadlines created every time we run an end dot digital program. Mm. I'm wondering how we do that without having a deadline. That's right. So I feel, this is I feel like this is the move right here. This is the this is the next great challenge for education and and workplace cultures. How can we work without deadlines? And if we have no deadlines, apparently. We'll just do any everything anyway. Or, you know, you just kind of train your brain not to procrastinate and you just do things when you have the time to do them. In other news, um, some news coming out of, you know, the um, quick, soon-to-end COP26. The Ecuadorian president, his name is Guillermo Lasso, which is an epic name, um, has announced that he is creating a super highway around the Galapagos Islands um, of about 23,000 thousand square miles nearly 15 million acres to house all these different kinds of sharks and whales and rays and turtles and tuna and basically protect all these animals now this is an area that has been um previously really ravaged by industrial fishing even though this is like one of the most beautiful and most marine diverse areas on the planet like the galapagos islands uh, uh even the islands themselves and then all of the water around the islands um yeah they're incredible um but they've announced no they're going to put a a hard stop on professional fishing and all these things they're expanding this protected area um they're employing more like sea cops and stuff to be able to enforce it um and that means that we have lots of amazing animals that are just chilling there now and dude this is like some of the photos that are coming out i've been reading this article and they you know have all the photos of like the the marine life in the galapagos island and they're just beautiful these like massive sharks with spots all over them and it's just oh it's amazing we should do a trip we should go we should bring Faith FM to the Galapagos Islands. Yes. On a boat. We'll be like pirate radio. And, yes. And we'll tell the government, like, hey, we're not trying to steal your fish. We're just we're just broadcasting radio. And then um and then yeah, we can dude, let's go. There's, There's so a small things. thing 
called COVID. Yeah, but that's like going to end soon. Right? Ah, like, <laughs> like it has in Europe, right? Like, like at some point they'll let us go to the Galapagos Islands. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. All right. Finally, this morning I read a story that was very interesting. I this is this is this is you know, and it has a bit of a, a religious uh, twist on it this morning. But essentially, um, dude, like this is a, a, an incredible life and death situation. Um, that was essentially like turbans saved the day. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. So, mm-hmm. um, two like tourists who were, who were going hiking in Canada, they're in British Columbia. They slid down a rock face and got trapped like beside a waterfall. <laughs> and Ouch. they're like, they're trapped like against a rock beside a waterfall and they're just like stuck. And they start, you know, panicking and then they start calling out, you know, to the, to the ridge above them trying to get people walking on the trail up there to pay attention. Now, um, the first group of people that came, that came across them was a group of Sikh tourists. Who and they were, all wear, tur- all they wear were turbans. They all wearing turbans. Um, there were six of them. Yes. And these, because the, the turbans that the Sikhs wear, they're like massive. Yeah, they're yeah like they a, have the most epic turbans. And they're super long. Yeah. And they see these guys down there like struggling. And, and they do them all up life. in a different shape to a, like your standard turban. There's so much more cloth involved. That's in right. It. That's right. And so realizing this, they're like, okay, how do we save these guys? And so what they do is they all take their turbans off, tie them in a massive big line, and pull these guys up <laughs> yeah, that's from so the side epic. of a waterfall by the turban. That is, is amazing. So what a great cool. story. So essentially, like, they're in a place, like, they've got no, like, telephone service. Like, they can't call the SES or whatever the Canadian version of that is. Like, they're, like, stuck. This is a desperate situation. I feel like these guys at this point, they're like, okay, yeah. And so they created a 33-foot, which is, you know, 10-meter-long line. That's decent. That's a long line. That's a long line of turbans to climb up. From six turbans. Yes. It's 10 meters long. Yes. And, um, yeah, they've created this big, long line, and these guys have, yeah, grabbed onto the end and, and pulled them up. I wonder how long the average turban is. I wonder whether if there's a seek listening today. Give us a call. We would love to know how long is, you know, the average kind of turban once you unravel the whole thing. Because, of, you know, you only ever see them on top of a person's head, yeah. and you can tell there's a lot of material in that. It, it looks like a great, um, a great piece of headgear as far as head safety goes because you get, you know, hit over the head by anything. It's certainly going to give you some cushioning. <laughs> Um, but yeah, how long is that thing? And, and how do you actually tie that? Because it's just, you know, it's not like your, your turban, you just wrap around your head and put a band around it. No, no, no. This is like, they're, they're special. They're special, dude. And so, yeah. And, and these like guys, they got out of there. They were completely unharmed, uh, which was amazing. And, um, yeah, now these guys are kind of being praised by the media and whatnot and, and for their kindness and uh, their help at this time. They did try to initially look for help and find some people, but they realized they're alone. They're like, all right, let's get the turbans out. Yep. They pull these guys up. So epic. Dude. It would be interesting to climb that rope. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So uh, Janelle's text through, so that they're she, they're watching the uh, the turban clip right now. You yeah, can watch, you can watch that on video. Everything that these days seems to be caught on video. That's right. And Rafi says, "Well, you can go to the Galapagos Islands after the second coming. This is wait for the second <laughs> coming, and you'll be good to go." I thought he was going to say you can go to the Galapagos Islands if you swim there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could possibly that is true too. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, more serious news. We probably should talk about some more serious news. The Office of Civil Rights in the United States is to be banned from hearing or investigating religious freedom complaints. What? Yes, the new... Uh, Who new said this? Biden. Oh, that's... Um, and so what this would do serious? is that it would leave no department uh, singularly responsible for religious liberty issues. So, you know, it doesn't do away with religious liberty issues. It just means that there's no department to deal with those kinds of issues. It's part of the uh, um, the uh, division, the Office of Civil Rights is, is a division of uh, Health and Human Services um, in the United States. And the former head of Health and Human Services... Um, stated that uh, Health and Human Services plans to effectively end religious freedom enforcement Wow! at Health and Human Services. So that's, you know, he, he, he looked at the memo, he's going, yep, that's exactly what it's about. So this is a very, very aggressive move by the Biden administration uh, in relationship to religious liberty in the United States. Um, so he, he went on to say that the Biden administration has declared open season on people of faith a while ago, this makes it official. So this is the actual first official oh, thing. Biden is cringe. I don't. I don't. This is. Oh, that's so lame. That's so lame. Yeah. So while you might be a little bit worried about that one, let's um, head over to Virginia. I did say that we'd be talking about the uh, United States this morning, and we're going to Old Dominion University in Virginia, where oh. they have one of their professors, a fellow by the name of Dr. Alan Walker. Um, he's a professor of sociology and criminal and criminal justice. Okay. Okay. Sociology and criminal justice. That's what he's a professor uh -huh. of. Okay. So you'd expect that this would be somebody who would stand up for, um, well, at least the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So he's just published a book, or recently, I should say, recently published a book. It's called. Uh, this is the title of it: A Long Dark Shadow. Minor attracted people and their pursuit of dignity. Okay, oh, think about yeah. that for a moment. Yeah, no. This is a professor of oh, criminal no. justice. Minor attracted people and their pursuit of dignity. Why is he? Why is he even dignifying in any oh, way, no. shape, or form pedophiles? Stop. Why is he trying to dignify criminals? Okay, what okay, dignity okay. is there being in a criminal? Wait, so, so, but I, I'm sure, so in the book, is he advocating for, like, the laws to be changed surrounding He is not age? advocating for the laws to be changed. Okay, what is he trying to say? He's trying to say that minor attract, sorry, pedophiles feel bad when we call them pedophiles. And so we shouldn't call them pedophiles. Oh, yikes. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> one of those kind of things where, um, you know, maybe we should start renaming all crimes and criminals. So thieves, people who steal stuff, why don't we call them other people stuff attracted persons? <laughs> or murderers, murderers. Let's think about this. End of life advocates. <laughs> I mean, how far are we going to take this when you take criminals and it's like, okay, Dude. we've got to give dignity to criminals. The whole point of sending criminals to prison is that we remove their dignity so that they can learn to have some dignity. Yeah. A person has dignity by the things that they do. Yeah. It's the things you do that give you dignity. It's like the reason, yeah, we send people to prison is to rehabilitate them by, you know, it's breaking them down and building them up. Like, that's, that's right. That's the point. That's right. 
Absolutely. Like, we, we, we say you've got no dignity at the moment because you're a pedophile. Let us show you how you can have dignity as a person. So basically they're just empowering criminals. It's the hashtag empowered, like, girl boss criminal. Like, that's wild. That is Basically wild. what you've got is that this is the last form of attraction yet to be legitimised. Yeah. And we are getting, you know, now that we've legitimised everything else, we are getting increasing numbers of uh, professional people who are pushing to legitimise this in some way or another, and there are always going to be steps to legitimise something that is illegitimate. Mm. And the first step, one of the first steps, is to change the terminology in relationship to that particular action. And so if you change the terminology, then people start to think about, you know, uh, people start to view the criminal behaviour in a different way. Mm. And so, until sooner or later, it's like, well, that's not criminal. There's nothing wrong with that anymore. Mm. You know, you, what used to be criminal, what, you know, just, why, why, would we, why would we call that criminal? We're not judgmental people. Yeah. Oh, this was followed by, I uh, published this book and then he followed that by an appearance on the Protasia podcast. Um, which is peer-supported chat for minor-attracted people. So he jumps on this podcast and does a whole podcast on here. Um, and as part of this podcast, this is, you know, MAP or MAP, uh, minor-attracted people, is important to use terms that members of the group want others to use for them. No, stop, stop, stop. No, stop. I'd, so so I, so so if I'm a, if I'm a like, if I'm a murderer and I feel bad when you say you're a murderer and, and I'm like well no you need to call me an end of end of life advocate then you have to do that because I have no dignity unless you do oh. that I have no dignity as a person unless you do that if I'm a thief and you don't call me a other people's stuff attracted person then how do I have any kind of dignity mm. You know, we, we need to dignify every crime and every criminal that there is out there, and particularly this one, which is one of the most heinous of all crimes. Mm. Seriously. Yeah. Well, this has happened a lot in history. Like, well, just in recent history, it things has. have changed. You know, yes. it used to it be has. called used to be called eugenics, mm-hmm. and now it's you know called reproductive rights. Yes, this this kind of thing. That's right. Like it's just so exactly what bad. it is. It's exactly you know, and people are horrified. Like, oh, eugenics. Yeah. <laughs> we practice the same thing today. Like. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It goes on to state that the word pedophile is it's it's pejorative per, per, in nature, and it's and it is. And if we were to change that and use minor attracted person, it would be less stigmatizing. But this deserves stigma. It deserves the highest level of stigma possible. Anyway, so this was interesting because, you know, in universities, universities are famously Mm left-wing. And students, you know, there are those who say that, you know, if you're you're not left-wing below the age of 35, then you have no feelings. If you're not right-wing over the age of 35, then you uh, have no brains. Yeah. Um, And so students are are notoriously left-wing, but the students... The students got their backs up at this one. Mm. They launched a change.org petition to have the guy fired. Good job. Yes. Good job. Like, that's powerful. That is awesome. Um, and by yesterday, they had achieved 11,000. 
thousand signatures on this petition because they said they are afraid of this particular this individual's effect on the next generation. Yes, um, and this has finally forced the hand of the university, uh-huh. who up until this point had done absolutely nothing. They haven't fired him. Oh, they've just asked him, asked him to take leave. Yikes. You know, because, well, he's going to need stress leave when 11,000 people sign a, signed a petition to say they want him fired. Mm. So they've asked him, oh, I tell you what, the things that are happening in our world right now, it makes your blood boil. And this is what the Bible says, you know, at the end of time they would call evil good and mm. good evil, and that's exactly what we are seeing taking place around us right now. And it increases every day. It's only a matter of time. You know, we've, we've seen this come back again and again and again. It is only a matter of time until there is a step made to legitimize minor attracted persons' practice. Mm. And this is the first step in that path is changing the language in relationship to it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Does it never have to be alone? And, of course, Rafi's text is through to say that the Sikhs who rescued those guys at that waterfall, they were certainly using their heads. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Joining us on the phone this morning is Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks, Well, Good to be here. And, of course, we have you on every month. Oz Table Talk is pretty much what young guys talk about over the fellowship lunch not many of those have been happening during COVID, but over the fellowship lunch after the sermon. So, you know, when you get, you get a group of young guys that just want, you want to sit down and talk about, you know, theology, things happening in the world, current issues that relate to Christianity and so forth, well, this is your insight into that world. Luke, what have you guys been talking about over the last month? Okay, well, we've had a, we've had a great month. The, probably the most notable episode we had this month was, is evolution bulletproof? And, and that was... That was especially fun because we got to have a special guest on the show because uh, um, Creation Ministries were, were doing some programs in the area. We were able to talk to Dr. Don Batten, and so we had him to the table to have a discussion with us. Okay, so it's not often that you get to have a, uh, a celebrity join you there at the uh, at the discussion. And, you know, when you bring up this question with um, Dr. Don Batten, and he comes here on Faith FM from time to time, where did he initially go to to dismantle the bulletproofness, if that's a word, of of evolution, we talked a lot about the, I guess the the information aspects of it. Like we talked, we're coming at it from, from two different primary directions. One is the areas of biology that uh, there are hard limits, right? There are hard limits to the amount of, of of mutation that can occur within any organism. And so he gave some really good examples of that and how there are these because of these hard limits that yes, we can see very clear examples of. Adaptation within species, but there is always a limit that you you bump up against, and so that's good evidence for the fact that uh, evolution itself is not possible. But we also spent a lot of time coming at it from a, a, a Christian perspective of what it would mean to what we believe about God and, and about the Bible if we reject creation as its basis. Yes, yeah, so that's an interesting discussion, you know, because we can we can sit down and talk about the science of it, and I love to sit down and talk about the science of it. But the majority of Christians today believe in evolution, and to me, that's got to be the most uncomfortable theological position that it is. Talk about sitting on the fence, and you know, that fence being a sharp, spiky fence. Yeah, it's yep. just like ouch. 
why yeah. do so many Christians sit there? Yeah, I totally get it. This is probably one, of, for me anyway, this was one of the biggest uh, things that stuck out in my mind. And this is something that's always bothered me about, because I've got friends who, who fit exactly that category that you mentioned. Uh, I've always struggled with this idea of, well, if, if God utilized evolution as his chosen process to arrive at Eden, so to speak, then you've got the, the primary problem that, that sin and uh, that, sorry, uh, death predates sin. And if death predates sin, then sin didn't cause death. And if death, did, if sin didn't cause death, then what's the point of the whole uh, redemption in Jesus? You yeah, know? It completely invalidates everything that Jesus did. Yes, exactly. And, and, and it, you know, like all false doctrines, it viciously attacks the character of God. Yes. You know, and this is one of the things that stands out in my mind. And, uh, you know, we're probably getting a long ways away from where you guys' discussion went. But it just, you know, it just comes to my mind is that if, if, if life has come about through a process of evolution, then that means that the primary means of creation, you know, being, to the, according to this theory, natural selection, the primary means of, of creation is actually death. Because you've got to yeah. have lots of death to kill off all of the weaker species and weaker vari- variants and so forth. So that, you know, the, the survival of the fittest can actually take place and so that, you know, nature and life can thrive. And so that make then that then gives you or or creates a God, if you're going to have theistic evolution, mm. a mm. God whose primary means of creation is death. Death mm. is no longer the enemy. Death actually becomes our best friend, the reason yeah. for our existence. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, and that is that is uh, such an incredible like diametric opposition to what the Bible teaches. You just can't have that and have your faith too. It just doesn't work. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So you had Dr. Don Batten with you. Was he doing uh, meetings at your church or somebody else's church or just in the community? Uh, uh, yeah, no, he was doing uh, meetings at, at the other church because there's two Adventist churches locally here. He was doing some at the other church, and we were sort of like both churches were coming together for the event. So oh, nice. I see him at, him an email beforehand and said, why don't you come here and have dinner with us on Friday, which he was happy to do. So I was grateful for that. Ah, oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, just a, a, a true gentleman, um, Dr. Don Batten. Yes. And I'm always sure. happy to um, always happy to talk and, if and I, to share. If I can also mention, that particular episode was the very first video episode that we released. And so that is the first of our, of our video episodes that appear on our YouTube channel now. Oh, 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 mm. oh. We mm. did hear about this. We did hear about this uh, last time we spoke that this was going to be a thing, and yeah. now it's a thing. Now we actually get to see the faces of the guys that we listened to on Oz Table Talk. That's exactly right. So you'll be seeing lots of little um, video snippets popping up on our social media feeds, but yeah, also the full length episodes going on YouTube. But yeah, so it's definitely happening. Fantastic mm. stuff. All right, that's that, yeah. that is that is super exciting. Um, yeah. With and, and and has that actually um, been uploaded yet, or is it yet to be edited? Yeah, no, no, that's that's done. That's that's up and out. Up and out. Uh, yep. Fantastic stuff. All <laughs> right. So uh, you had Don Batten there. You talked about um, info. You talked about um, um, the hard limits to mutation. You talked about theistic evolution. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there anything else that Don focused on while he was with you guys? Yeah, that was, that was probably the main ones. The, the format of the interview, we sort of um, based it around, we got a lot of questions from uh, from our community, and so our, our audience submitted a lot of questions for him, and so he kind of took them in somewhat rapid-fire 
manner. So uh, he talked about a lot of different uh, a lot of different things about you know how to how to rationalise, but also how to reach out to these people. And and yeah, if people do hold a different viewpoint, how do we navigate that? You know, while being respectful to them and, and having that uh, having that positive relationship. And and I think his uh, insight there was really helpful as well. You know, talking about. Yeah, you know, the prioritization of the relationship with the person, you know, especially if it's a friend or something like that, you, you want to, you want to make sure that you you have good relationships with them in order to be able to share with them and so they might be more willing to listen to what you have to say. Mm, fantastic stuff. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, um, you mentioned you've got your video segments going up now. Did all of this month's Oz Table Talks go up on video? Uh, no, not all of them. So we, we want to get to the place where all of them are going up, but at this point, just because of time constraints, not every single one goes up. But yeah, I think the yeah, this is the only that's the only one that's up currently. So hopefully next week there'll be another one going up. Oh, looking forward to that. All right, other mm-hmm. subjects. What else have you guys been talking about? Okay, so uh, one of the other ones. This is probably a personal favorite of mine. This this one actually went out um, this Tuesday, just gone. Which is, does everything really happen for a reason? And so we're sort of looking at that uh, that connection between how much of what happens in this world is God directed versus how much of it is just chance and probability. Right. So that was uh, it, it's a, a very uh, it's a bit of a different concept. Again, this is something that has been um, yeah, requested from from the community where people are, are sort of saying you know they're taking these ideas specifically you know out of the the Ro- uh, Roman text you know that looking at. Um, where the text escapes me, you'll, you'll know it off the top of your head, um, where it talks about uh, all things happening for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So when we were looking at like looking at that passage, how much of what we see around us then is actively directed by God is probably the, the core of the idea. Yeah, and this is, that's a really tricky one because, you know, there's certainly a lot of things you would say, well, God didn't do that. You know, we see natural mm. disasters in the world. You know, God didn't do that. So how does that work out mm. to, you know, God's glory and honor? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, um, the, we went a lot of different places in that episode, and that's one of the ones that I would definitely recommend people like have, have a listen to to get the full breadth of, of where we went with that. Because we kind of tried to explore both options to their reasonable conclusions. And where we, where we landed on it, I guess the consensus that we arrived at is that while God does direct our lives in the macro sense, He doesn't always direct them in the micro sense. So in the macro sense, we, he wants us all to be saved and he, and he has organized our lives in such a way so we have the best possible chance of salvation. But at the same time, he doesn't force our free will or anybody else's free will. And so therefore, if he is, uh, you know, if we choose to reject him, we have the power and capacity to do that because he gave us free will. And so, uh, you know, are there large scale events that are directed by God? Absolutely. Are there other events that are, um, purely, um, Rated the probability, chance, or even Satan's influence in the world, it has been absolutely true. All of all of the above is actually true, depending on which way you look at it. And I think this is one of the important points that we need to realise is that we live in a world where there is conflict. There is conflict yep. between God and Satan, uh, mm. and that as a result of that conflict, we are in the crossfire. Mm. It's waging all around us right now, and sometimes you know bad things are going to happen, not for any other reason other than the fact that sin exists and evil exists. Yeah, not because we've necessarily done bad things or whatever it might be. It's just you know sometimes bad things happen to the best people. Yeah, I often think yeah. of Elijah. You know, he goes out into he's a prophet of God. He's one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, and yet mm. what happens? He goes and gives a prophecy. And, you know, he probably woke up that morning just enjoying life as 
doing his Elijah thing, and then he goes, God says, go tell Ahab this message, and by the end of the day, he's out in the wilderness, and he's living in hiding, being yeah. fed by crows. Mm-hmm. You know, that day certainly ended differently to what he expected, I'm sure, when he got up in the morning. And, yeah. uh, you know, one of the greatest of the prophets. Mm. And some things, sometimes bad things just happen because evil is a thing. Evil exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, even Jesus, you know, even even in that text where he points to the, the tower that, that fell at Siloam, he said, you know, were the people that that tower crushed, were they greater sinners than everybody else? Well, no. You know, that Jesus even makes the point that just because something bad happens doesn't mean that, that God is the one that's punishing that person or whatever. There's there's something that bigger that's happening here, but also there's you know, there's there's some sort of um you know, there's un- these unpredictable elements of reality that are there. But I think the key that we have to take away from from that concept of all things working together for, for good is that God's intention there is that even if something bad happens whether it's just, you know, a, a, a chance thing that happens with that or like whether it's a, a symptom of the battlefield that we're on, that, that we're getting caught in the crossfire, whatever that is, if we if we have faith that God is who he is and, and does what he says he's going to do, in the long run, he has the capacity to turn those events around and utilize them for his good and the good of the kingdom in the long term. But that requires faith and hindsight to be able to see it. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, any other any other topics that you guys have covered this month? Uh, yeah, probably um, one of the other ones. Uh, probably not a great deal to explore in it without listening to it. But it's uh, another episode we did called Red Letters Only. And so, what we tried to do was we tried to take a step back from scripture, looking at it as a whole, which is often what is the best way to do it. You want to look at it as a whole. But we decided that we were going to focus in specifically on Jesus' words himself and have a look at where he put, where he placed his emphasis and mm-hmm. what he actually taught. Okay, so just kind of like an analysis of uh, of the words of Jesus, so to speak. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And so that was that was a lot of fun, you know. And, and we sort of like some of the, the the main things that seemed to bubble to the top were um, his uh, teachings about um, like how to re understand the law, if you like. You know, his his re education of the people as to what what he really meant by the Ten Commandments and, and, you know, other things that appear elsewhere in Scripture. So he was he was correcting, he was educating. Um, some of the other key themes that you see popping up are his parables about the, the kingdom of heaven and that, uh, you know, it's progress in the world. And we actually spent a lot of time, the majority of our time, I would probably say, in, I believe it's Matthew chapter 13, isn't it, where the kingdom parables are, where he talks the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, you know, a, a, a owner that goes away, or it's like a, the pearl of great price. So it's like he calls it all these examples, and we sort of pulled out what he was getting at by each of those examples. And then we looked further on in his ministry when he was teaching about, uh, like, getting towards the end of his ministry, where he was talking in Matthew 24, you know, about the end times and the kind and quality of people who will be in the kingdom at the end, and warnings about judgment. And th- those are probably the, some of the primary themes that were popping up throughout his, his ministry. And finally, Luke, very quickly, um, how do we interact with uh, Oz Table Talk? Okay, you can find us on online, oztabletalk.com.au, and from there you can find all our socials and everywhere else. Thank you Master, so much, Luke uh, Ferrugia. This is Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.